welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to the third episode in series one. And I'm going to share with you the third um, uh, explanation or description of the coming of Jesus in the Gospels. If you've heard the first two episodes, you'll remember that we started with Luke uh, and his uh, introduction. And then last time we looked at John and now we're going to look at Matthew. They're all totally different. They're approaching the same event from a totally different point of view. Luke described the process of writing as his starting point, and he's speaking more like a historian and a researcher who's looking for eyewitness evidence. He didn't see the events uh, of Jesus' life himself, and so he's compiling um, a historical gospel from accurate eyewitness testimony. John, on the other hand, gave this great cosmic picture of Jesus as the Word who was there in eternity with God, who became flesh and who dwelt among us and who brought light into our lives. And he spoke of John the Baptist and, um, and the whole process of being born again or becoming a child of God through Jesus coming. So it's a really grand introduction that uh, John gives. Now we come to Matthew. And as I mentioned in the first episode, Matthew's very focused on the uh, Jewish um, aspects of Jesus and he's focused on communicating to the Jewish people. Matthew is one of the 12 apostles, sometimes called Levi in, in the text, either Matthew or Levi, um, and he writes from a very Jewish point of view. So his starting point is characteristically Jewish and he brings a genealogy of Jesus or uh, an ancestry going back many, many generations right to the beginning of the Jewish race. And I'm going to use this text as the basis for this episode. Now, there are two genealogies of Jesus in the Gospels. There's one in Luke chapter 3, which is also very important and is a parallel passage to the one that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the one in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to read that for you very shortly. But ancestry... Family history, genealogy means different things to different people. For many people in Western countries, their ancestry is relatively insignificant. Some people don't know too much about their ancestry. Um, for people in many developing countries, um, in many tribal cultures, um, and many uh, cultures with uh, multi-ethnic communities, then their family history and their ancestry is very, very important, especially if that's connected to particular land and particular places. So we all approach this from a slightly different point of view, but the way I'm going to approach it is looking at it through a Jewish lens. Now, for the Jewish people, ancestry was uh, incredibly important. And uh, through the, throughout the Old Testament, there are a number of genealogies the Jews trace their connections all the way back to Abraham, the father of their nation, uh, very uh, firmly. And so genealogy is uh, something that's very important to the Jews. And it's important in identifying Jesus's place in Jewish history and also his place in prophetic history, as we shall see. There are lots of key prophecies in the Old Testament that apply very specifically to Jesus. And 
uh, the genealogies help us to work out um, how that connection is made. So with those words of introduction, I'm going to read Matthew's genealogy. Uh, it's the sort of passage that you would very rarely hear anyone talk about in public teaching in the church, in a local church situation. But uh, as you know, the Word Online project with the life of Jesus is covering the whole of the four Gospels. Everything they write about is important to us and has significance. And sometimes that significance is very obvious to us and sometimes it's less obvious. This is a, an example when it's a little bit less obvious, but once we uncover it, it becomes really interesting. So I'm going to read the genealogy in Matthew 1 from verse 1 to verse 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, Sheltiel was the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eliza, Eliza, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Well, this is an amazing genealogy which is very carefully structured and by the way in Jewish genealogies it was a convention that you could 
miss out generations. And so some have noted that there's some generations missed out here for particular reasons, but it still provides a uh, complete genealogy that's structured in a way that uh, the starting point is Abraham and the first key marker along the way is King David. So uh, Jesus is described in verse 1 as the son of David and the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham makes him uh, Jewish. The son of David is critical in terms of the prophecies given to David as king of Israel, which we'll come to in a minute. And then we see the genealogy go through David's family. He was the second king of Israel, and it goes through his son Solomon and through the monarchy of the, the descendants of David right the way up until the time of the exile of the Jewish people when the nation state was overthrown by the Babylonians and the monarchy was abolished. And then in the final section, we see the genealogy continue until it comes to uh, Joseph, Jesus's stepfather, Mary, and Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, there's a great significance to this genealogy. And in order to establish the significance, I'm just going to refer to uh, several key passages in the Old Testament that tell us the significance of some individuals mentioned here. Let's first of all go to uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And this describes the call of Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish people. He's the first person we can describe as a Jew in uh, a defined ethnic sense. He's called and he is seen as the father of the nation. And in these verses, this is what is said. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the foundational promise for the whole Jewish nation that promises three things. It promises um, Abraham uh, that his name will continue in the sense that he'll have a son. He, he was childless at the time and then his son Isaac was born. That from his son will come a nation, a people who will have a land. That's the people of Israel in the land of Israel. And that those people will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That promise, incidentally, was fulfilled directly through Jesus because Jesus is the Israelite or the son of Abraham who brings the blessing of the gospel to all the nations of the earth. And that's stated very clearly in the New Testament in the book of Galatians chapter 3. But we now need to move forward because we notice that uh, Matthew identifies Abraham as a key ancestor of Jesus, but also David. And this is tremendously important because it's the vital key to understand the significance of the genealogies. Uh, David was the king that God called miraculously to rule the people of Israel. There had been a king chosen by human pressure beforehand, Saul, the first king of the country, who had ended up in terrible failure and disaster. And then God called David, a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, from the tribe of Judah, 
and called him into monarchy. And he became a very successful king of Israel. But the significance of David wasn't just in his own lifetime. Um, because it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, which I'm going to read in a moment, that God gave a particular promise to David through the prophet Nathan. And this is a very interesting and significant promise, which is uh, foundational to everything that follows. Here is the central promise in verse 16. There's a wider passage, more details that you can read there, but I'll just give you the central passage. A central verse, verse 16, your house, that is your dynasty or your family as kings, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That means permanently. It's an unconditional promise that David's successors will be kings for the people of Israel, and particularly that this kingdom will be reflecting God's kingdom. Now, um, as this genealogy clearly indicates in Matthew chapter 1, David's successors, uh, his son Solomon, and then uh, his family line, were kings of Israel for a long period of time. But interestingly enough, that came to an end when the Babylonians came and they forced the people uh, into exile and the monarchy was abolished. So there was no son of David, no descendant of David ruling the country. And yet it had been promised um, that there would be a permanent monarchy, an eternal dynasty. So what had happened? There'd been an interruption as a result of the sin of the nation. But then comes the words of the prophets, which is the other key. And this leads us towards Jesus very clearly. The prophets say on many occasions, and I'll quote you one example um, just to uh, indicate this, that uh, there is going to come a descendant of David, a biological descendant of David in the future, who will be the ultimate fulfillment of uh, God's kingdom purposes and of that prophetic promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. Here's one example. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, Isaiah's prophecy is followed by many other prophecies in the Old Testament that indicates there's going to be a future king descended from David who will be the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy of a permanent kingship. Now, this turns out to be more than about the nation of Israel. It turns out to be God's rule on earth that is at stake. And Jesus comes and he preaches about the kingdom of God being at hand, arriving uh, at the time when Jesus came. And he is that Davidic king because he is descended 
from David. And he is uniquely called to be the Messiah and the King. But there's another twist in the story. This genealogy apparently shows Jesus to be the biological son of Abraham and David. But there's a mention in verse 11 of a descendant of David called Jeconiah. Now that's something that's very easy to pass over. But Jeconiah is another name for uh, one of the last rulers uh, of the country before they went into exile. His full name is Jehoiakim, but Jeconiah in the New Testament. And the nation was going badly wrong then, and the prophet Jeremiah prophesied concerning Jehoiakim, or Jeconiah, in Jeremiah 22, verse 30, with the following terrible prophecy. This is what the Lord says, record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper, none will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Now, this creates a complication for the genealogy of Matthew. Matthew is speaking to Jews who would know about the prophecy of Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 30. They would know that Jeconiah or Jehoiakim had been cursed by God because of the terrible disobedience of himself and his immediate predecessors. And so that particular branch of David's family was not going to be the branch that would receive the promise of 2 Samuel 7.16. Uh, where there would be a th um, an eternal kingdom established. But it looks as, as though here, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, is descended from Jeconiah or Jehoiakim. And therefore, if Jesus is going to be the biological descendant of David, it doesn't look as though he's the biological descendant through Jacob, in terms of the genealogy, and also, of course, he is not the biological descendant of David through Joseph because Joseph is his stepfather. We know for certain from Matthew's account and Luke's account that Mary conceived Jesus before she had any sexual relationship with Joseph. She was truly a virgin. Now, Matthew would understand the paradox of this genealogy and he would understand that his first readers, the Jewish readers, would understand it too. There's a missing component here. And that missing component is, in fact, Mary's genealogy, which is not mentioned here. And this is why it's so helpful to compare different passages in the Bible and different parallel texts. So we have in Luke chapter 3, very interestingly, a second genealogy of Jesus. I'm not going to read the whole text because our primary text is in Matthew, but the passage is Luke 3 verses 23 to 38. 
And Luke describes the genealogy of Jesus, going back to David, going back to Abraham, and even going back to Adam, to the first man. So he clearly describes Jesus as a descendant of David, but notably through a different branch of David's family, through his son Nathan, rather than through his son Solomon. We all know that families have many different branches and they branch out over a period of time. So one branch of David's family through Solomon and Jehoiakim or Jeconiah has been blocked or cursed. This cannot be the branch of the family from which the Messiah or the fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7.16 can come. But there's another branch of the family here through David's son, Nathan. And the question really is, whose genealogy is this? Mary is not specifically mentioned here, but in verse 23, it says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. Now, the genealogy is different. There are two different uh, genealogies being described in these two accounts, and Luke is well aware of that. He writes after Matthew, according to uh, the understanding of the order of writing that I proposed in the first episode. Now, probably what we have here is Mary's ancestry described discreetly. It wasn't appropriate culturally in those days to describe uh, ancestry through the mother. The father was the head of the family and the source of ancestry in these ancestral lines. And in this case, of course, it is Joseph. But one distinct possibility here is that Mary was an heiress in her own right because she didn't have any brothers to inherit um, and that Heli adopted Joseph as his son. So it may be that what Luke intended here uh, is that Jesus was the son, so it was thought of Joseph, the son-in-law of Heli. Now, literary convention prevents this being stated outwardly. But this makes sense because the biological connection to David can only come through Mary because of the virgin birth. Joseph has no direct biological connection with Jesus. This is an interesting example of a complex issue that most people never really think about in the Gospels and find difficult to understand. But if you are in a culture where ancestry and genealogy and family ties matter, you will know that the exact details of genealogy, particularly related to inheritance, are incredibly important. Who's in the family? Who is going to inherit? What does the will say? Who's got any legal right through family connection? This produces endless disputes and debates uh, in many societies. And so ancestry and blood connection really does matter. And it really mattered to the Jewish people. Matthew knew when he was writing his genealogy that he was creating a paradox, 
and showing in a sense that Joseph could not have been the biological father of Jesus because his branch of David's family was one that had been blocked. It could not um, be the branch through which the Messiah, the son of David, would come. But that was not true of the branch that came through Nathan, the son of David, as represented by Mary, the biological successor um, in that family. Now, we also know in Luke 1, verse 32, when the angel speaks to Mary, um, he says these words, speaking of Jesus, the angel promising the, uh, the birth of Jesus. <clears throat> he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, it's interesting that the angel says to Mary that Jesus will sit on the throne of David. The implication of this to Mary would be that she understood that her biological connection to David was the basis of that possibility because she would know this is a virgin birth and her husband was not the biological father. This is one of the most complex subjects that we look at in our study of Jesus. But because we're committed to looking at every text and every text matters, we need to go into these things. We find some fascinating truths come out. We see that the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning a greater son of David sitting on the throne of David um, are fulfilled in Jesus. And in fact, as we go through the Gospels, we'll find that Jesus is described as the son of David by the crowds, um, by people seeking healing. And this becomes one of his titles. Ancestry and family connection and rights really matter in most societies. For me, I'm interested in ancestry. I've got a written ancestry of both sides of my family in my possession, in my home, written up by my father who researched it. But the branches of my family um, uh, are known to me. Uh, many of my relatives are in Canada. There was an emigration of a branch of my family to Canada. My mother was a Canadian citizen. My father was a British citizen. And so I've got those two branches of the family very clearly in mind and I can connect myself with their stories very easily. That matters for me. That gives me a sense of identity. Many Western people have far less uh, capacity to do that and to identify their family line. I don't know what the situation is for you personally, but for Jews, ancestry really mattered. And that's why both Matthew and Luke took time to identify the ancestry of Jesus. And it appears that we have the uh, ancestry along Joseph's line, the stepfather, and the actual biological ancestry through Mary, Jesus's biological mother. So we can say of Jesus that he's part of the Jewish people, a son of Abraham. We can say of Jesus, truly, he's, the, he's a son of David. He's descended from David's specific family. And we can say that this lays a vital foundation for his claim to bring in the kingdom of God. And he turns out to be the king that God the Father has appointed to rule over the church as it grows 
and ultimately to rule over the whole world. Jesus's opening comments in Mark's gospel um, is a good place for us to end with all this information about the genealogy in mind. In Mark 1 verses 14 and 15, this is what it says at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, we've gained a little bit of understanding about that kingdom of God and about the genealogy that supports it through this episode and through studying the genealogy of Matthew and referring to the genealogy of Luke. Thanks for joining us and I hope you join us for the next episode. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.